The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. My name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 22 of 2021 and show number 1075 if you're keeping track that way. This week, we conclude May as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Lord of the Rings that first came out in 2001. Now this week, we're looking at some spare odds and ends, uh, things that wouldn't necessarily fit into previous shows, but were still somewhat important to the Lord of the Rings saga. The Return of the King, the last film in the series, was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, Best Visual Effects, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Film Editing. At the 76th Academy Awards in 2004, the film won all the categories for which it was nominated and holds the record for the highest Academy Award totals along with Titanic and Ben-Hur, and also holding the record for the highest clean sweep at the Oscars. It was the first fantasy film to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. It was also the last movie for 14 years to win the Academy Award for Best Picture without being chosen as one of the top 10 films of the year by the National Board of Review until the release of The Shape of Water in 2017. The film also won four Golden Globes, including Best Picture for Drama, Best Director, five BAFTAs, two MTV Movie Awards, two Grammys, nine Saturn Awards, the New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Picture, the Nebula Award for Best Picture, and the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. Long form. 
sorry, the the film earned $377.8 million in the United States and Canada and $764.4 million in other countries for a worldwide total of $1.142 billion. That's billion dollars. It is the 24th highest grossing film of all time. And when not adjusted, adjusted for film inflation, the highest grossing film of 2003, the second highest grossing film of the two thousands, the highest grossing installment of the, in the New York, or sorry, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the highest grossing film ever to be released by new line cinema. It held the record as Time Warner's highest grossing film worldwide for eight years until it was surpassed by Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 in 2011. It was the second highest film in history to earn over $1 billion, making it the second highest grossing film at the time. Box Office Mojo estimates that the film has sold over 61 million tickets in its initial theatrical run. Needless to say... The Lord of the Rings was securely fixed in pop culture. With the success of the films, other media would also flourish in 2003. Oddly enough, The Hobbit, an action-adventure game developed by Inevitable Entertainment for the GameCube, PlayStation, and Xbox by the Fizz Factor for Windows, or sorry, Microsoft Windows, try to say that ten times fast, and by Sapphire for the Game Boy Advance came out. It was published by Sierra Entertainment. The game is a licensed adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's 1937 novel, The Hobbit, and has no relation to the Peter Jackson film, yet does carry some of the DNA of that. At the time, Vivendi, in partnership with Tolkien Enterprises, held the rights to the video game adaptations of Tolkien's literary works, whilst Electronic Arts held the rights to the video game adaptations of the New Line Cinema film games. The game sticks very close to the plot of the novel, although it does feature some minor characters not found in the original novel, although it does feature... uh, The music here, sorry, rather, was uh, written by Rod Abernathy and Dave Adams and released as a download from the composers. So here is some music from the 2003 game... The Hobbit.
And with a little bit of music from the 2003 video game The Hobbit. That's music by Rod Abernathy and Dave Adams. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. You can also be found in uh, on podcasts. Uh, if you go into Apple Pod, Apple Music or iTunes, if you, whatever you call it these days, and type in Visions and Sound, you can find me under Podcasts. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we celebrate the month of the ring with Lord of the Rings Odds and Ends. Now, back in 2002, I did have the great privilege of speaking with Howard Shore. And now here is the Lord of the Rings portion of that interview. So I'll be back in just a bit. Now you mentioned uh, a lot of uh, uh, you, you speak a lot about the the, the printed word. Um, so is that what drew you to uh, Lord of the Rings? Uh, well, Peter Jackson actually drew me <laughs> uh, to Lord of the Rings, but the Tolkien is the guide to it. The word is is the thing that we work with every day, and on th- on these films, I know Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyms are the screenwriters. We're so immersed in, in the lore and the mythology of Tolkien that the, we're constantly rereading and going back to the text. Uh, because I think P- what Peter's attempting and what we're all attempting through Peter is to put the text up on the screen mm-hmm. as, almost as literally as possible. What about Fangorn in a trying to create the world of Fangorn on mm-hmm. So you weren't familiar with the, uh, the, the trilogy before? Had you, had you read it? Oh, yes. Yes, in the 60s, ah. like everybody else I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all great Tolkien fans, and we make the movie, we want to make the movie that we want to see, and we hope that everybody who loves the books as much as we do and, and, you know, it enjoys it as much as we, as we do making it. I mean, and that's also the great difficulty. You know, it's, it's, uh, we, it, there's such responsibility, I think, from all of us to create something that is, has, great, has great depth to the Tolkien story. And we want to create something that reflects that. Okay, so now did your approach to, uh, um, I remember hearing in, in another interview um, that uh, you felt like uh, Frodo at points, where right. it was, uh, why, have, why, have they, why have they chosen me? Was there any specific <laughs> challenges? Uh, that, yes, uh, enormous, enormous challenges, as you can well imagine, um, because you're, asking, you're, you're being asked to create a nine-hour piece. The three films are, are really one film. Mm-hmm. And next year, when you watch when you watch Return of the King, and you'll be able to watch the nine-hour film, the theatrical film of Lord of the Rings. The DVD is probably even longer, probably eleven hours. But it, what we're trying to do is to create the entire book, Lord of the Rings, uh, on screen, and to be asked to create that world in music is a huge task. Tolkien spent 12 years writing the book, and it's considered one of the most complex fantasy worlds ever created. 
so by creating the musical imagery of that, you can imagine the the uh, the goal of that of being able to achieve that. Okay. Now you went uh, went back to uh, rescore or to uh, to put in some new score for the uh, the DVD edition of, right. uh, of Lord of the Rings. Right. That had not been done before, or at least to my knowledge, anyway. I couldn't think of a of a, of a film that it had been done to that degree, um, where you opened the film up and created forty minutes of new scenes in an existing film. These aren't scenes that are just added on. They're actually longer versions of some of the scenes that were that were existed in the in the theatrical cut, and you, so you're going back and you're creating new pieces, but that have to match so seamlessly the work that was done on the original recording. So it's quite an interesting process. It's quite a technical process, actually, to create uh, new scenes for an existing film and for longer scenes in an existing film. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, so um, now some of the uh, the score that you've done it features a lot of the Middle Earth languages. And uh, so now you, you were saying that you were sort of familiar with the text before, but uh, how would you be able to transfer that from, uh, let's say, a, uh, a, the written page to, to sonically on the screen? Right. The... The idea of using the languages came very early on because I was looking for a structure um, that that I could work within. I mean, I was looking for a structure to this nine-hour film. I didn't know of, of a piece of that size, a nine-hour piece. So I looked to opera, really, as the guide to how to shape a piece of that size. And once I thought of, of the opera form, of course you start thinking of choruses and soloists and the voice. And the voice led me to the languages. And Tolkien created many invented languages for Middle-earth. Uh, predominantly in Fellowship, you hear the world of Lothlorien, and Rivendell sung in Sindarin and Quenya. And in Moria, you're in uh, the world of the dwarves, all sung in dwarvish. Um, there's black speech used throughout the film, and Andunaic is, is also used. And all the music of the Ringwraith in Fellowship is all sung in Andunaic. And I think the idea of using the voices also gave it a very old feeling. I mean, as you go back and in hit into the history of music, you be, it always begins with uh, the sound of a, of a human voice singing. So the choirs, the children's choir, the, the soloists had a, a wonderful historical sound to it, singing in Tolkien's languages. So once that process started, it started to shape like an opera, because you were using the the, the languages, the, the choral music became integral to the score and integral to the film, and scenes were created using the voices. Um, it just seemed like a natural way now to create the worlds of Middle Earth was through these choirs. Mm-hmm. So, how much did uh, Peter Jackson become involved in your music, or did he just say, "This is this is what it is. Go and and do and do it." No, no, we're very, <laughs> I don't think he did that, but we, he worked with me 
almost like a writer would work with another writer. And uh, Philippa Boyens, Fran Walsh, Peter Jackson were the three screenwriters, mm-hmm. Stephen Sinclair as well. But those were the three that I worked with very closely in creating the, 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 the music. And by inviting me in as a writer with them, they helped shape the score with me. Because to write a nine-hour piece based on uh, this book and this mythology, you needed great guides to do it. And Peter and Fran and Philippa, Philip is a Tolkien scholar and understands the languages and the history of Tolkien enormously and has studied ring mythology well beyond uh, Tolkien. So, I mean, in the research, we had to understand what led up to Tolkien writing Lord of the Rings, what may have inspired him, and also what he had affected in literary and music, uh, literary works and music in uh, in cinema, like what, what, what had, had been affected by Lord of the Rings. And I think that they were great guides for me. I needed their help enormously to really understand the world of which I was writing. They were great teachers. And they also understood the balance of the three films because they held them in their minds because they had created them in, a, in, in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And you had to understand the architecture of the three films inherently to be able to write a theme like the Shire theme because the Shire theme is so integral to the story about Frodo. So you, mm-hmm. and, and you had to create something that you would be able to have fragments of in the second film and in the third film or restate in the third film. I mean, and by, and the, in the sheer scope of it, the, the amount of thematic material, you needed the, I needed the collaboration with them as the writers to really understand, the piece, inherently understand the piece, even away from the film. You had to understand it. Ba- you know, you had to understand the piece based on the book, mm-hmm. really, and you had to understand that you had a bit of Gollum's theme in in Fellowship that has to now become two themes for Gollum because in Two Towers you actually understand that Gollum is schizophrenic and he's actually two characters. He's Smeagol and Gollum, mm-hmm. so the theme splits and it becomes two themes. Um, you had to understand how. Rowan would relate to the relationship of Theoden to Eowyn, to the king's niece. And you had to understand how Aragorn relates to Gondor, I mean, it, which you understand more in the third film. But you had to create the foundation for that in the first film. And to do that, to create this nine-hour piece, as I say, you needed uh, to work with a great director like mm-hmm. Peter. And Fran Walsh is a brilliant writer and writes... Uh, you know, lyrics and texts for me for the choirs and the soloists. And Philippa is a great uh, poet and writes poems based on the scenes that we're working on that are translated into the different languages of Middle-earth and are translated by David Sallow, who's a Tolkien scholar in America. And then the, the, uh, the pronunciation is done by Rushing Carty, who lives in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And she does the correct pronunciation. So that's how we teach the choir and the children and the soloists to sing in the different languages.
Okay. Now there is a, a little bit of a Celtic feel to the uh, to the score itself. Was that uh, uh, Peter's insistence, or was that kind of your um, work as well? I think it comes out of the stories. I mean, the stories are rooted in the northern European legends, in Finnish, ancient Finnish, and ancient Icelandic, and in. Uh, a Danish, uh, the world of the Danes, I mean, of Beowulf. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that those sounds, the Celtic music is probably one of the oldest musical forms that we know of. It goes back centuries. And so by, I think, touching on that, you're touching on some of the aspects of Middle-earth that seem to ring true to the story. The story feel you know, and if you believe that the story happened five or six thousand years ago, and and that it actually happened, because we're trying to, the feeling is is that it is a, a piece that actually happened. It was a world that actually existed that predated our culture, and we're writing from a historical reference. So the the feeling of of those Celtic sounds are so they're so ancient they would seem real, very natural to the piece. Mm-hmm. And that's a portion of the interview that I did with Howard Shore, speaking specifically about The Lord of the Rings in 2002. So he still had Return of the King ahead of him to work on. Now, I'm sure he'd been working on portions of it since uh, he started back in 2001, but it was really cool, and I really think it's cool to listen to this interview now and think, yeah, that was 2002, and there was still, well, there's, there was still Return of the King, and we didn't know at the time, the Hobbit films to come as well. So there's that. Now, I have some music. We, we, we discussed briefly about Celtic sounds. Now, the music you're about to hear is from the Symphonic Celtic album. album. Uh, these include an instrumental version of May It Be and a cue called The Fellowship. Both are under the baton of Nick Rainey, conducting the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. And this particular album, the Symphonic Celtic album, was released on Silva Screen Records. So here's some music from The Lord of the Rings on a Celtic album. So back in a bit.
with a little bit of uh, Lord of the Rings music from the Symphonic Celtic album. That's the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are celebrating the month of the ring with Lord of the Rings Odds and Ends. Now, the Lord of the Rings spawned several video games as well, and we talked about The Hobbit earlier, but late 2004 saw the video game Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 1 and 2. Uh, The game is a real-time strategy video game developed by EA for Microsoft Windows. It was released in December 2004 and is based, of course, on Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings. In turn-based on J.R.R. Tolkien's the original novel. The game uses short video clips from the movies and a number of voice actors, including the hobbits and wizards. The sequel, Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 2, was released in March of of 2006. The music here was written by Jamie Christofferson and has not been released to the public. But what kind of show would it be without music? So here's some music from Battle for Middle-Earth Parts 1 and 2 with music by Jamie Christofferson.
For 25 years, Hope Spring Cancer Support Centre has provided free services and resources throughout Waterloo-Wellington, Grey Bruce regions, helping thousands with cancer and those supporting their cancer journey. From home delivery of free wigs and post-mastectomy camisoles to relaxation therapies. At Hope Spring, people living with cancer are supported with emotional and mental resources through over 100 wellness programs in a warm, inviting atmosphere. Hope Spring does not receive any government funding, so every donation is needed. To help, see hopespring.ca. Warmer weather sure puts a spring in your step. But what about your car? Watch your car spring to life when you take advantage of tire rebates on now at Automotive Edge. Automotive Edge is your full-service automotive repair shop on Victoria Street North near Lackner Boulevard in Kitchener. Stop into Automotive Edge and enjoy your ride with great tire rebates on now. If you're looking for an automotive repair shop you can trust, you've just found us. Automotive Edge, Victoria Street North at Lackner Boulevard in Kitchener and at AutomotiveEdge.ca. It could be you, your sister, your father, your brother, or your friend. One in 12 Canadians is living with heart disease. On June 11th, share red to raise awareness and show your support for St. Mary's Regional Cardiac Care Centre. Post a photo, video, or heart-healthy tip with the hashtag Red Day Friday. Register now and learn more and help raise funds. Manulife will match your donation dollar for dollar. Nearly 80% of heart disease is avoidable with your help. Visit redday.ca to download your toolkit. Putting community first since 1973. 98.5 CKWR in Waterloo Region.
and with a little bit of music from the 2004 and 2006 game Lord of the Rings, The Battle for Middle-Earth, Parts 1 and 2, with music by Jamie Christofferson. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as uh, this week we're celebrating the month of the ring with another video game score, this time the 2011 game Lord of the Rings, The War in the North. The music here was written by, I love this guy's name, Einan Zur, and was released on Watch the Watch Watchtower Water Tower, sorry, Water Tower music. So here's some music from Lord of the Rings, War in the North.
with some music from the 2011 game Lord of the Rings, The War in the North. That's music by Anand Zur. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also find me online at uh, visionsinsound. Uh, sorry, <laughs> facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions uh, Sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where you'll find this show up in probably about two hours' time. And then you can also find me on the lovely uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, finding me either on Apple Music or iTunes, depending on what you use. And uh, look for me under Podcasts. So, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are celebrating the month of the ring with odds and ends. Uh, the films featured many songs actually sung by the actors themselves. This also inspired others to cover these tunes and create new works of their own. So featured here are several songs from artists, including Peter Hollins and Carlene, an artist I discovered almost by accident a few week, uh, a few months ago and really enjoyed her Lord of the Rings. There's some other stuff that she's done, but Lord of the Rings seems to be the main stuff. Uh, Lord of the Rings, and this one particularly is from The Hobbit. It's called uh, Smaug's Song. So back in a bit. Hey, hey. 
desolation It's so mine, this lonely mountain Fear my fire, wrath and ruin when you can stop my desolation. It's so mine, this lonely mountain.
For Sam, the evening deepened to darkness as he stood at the haven. And as he looked at the grey sea, he saw only a shadow on the waters that was soon lost in the west. There still he stood far into the night, hearing only the sigh and murmur of the waves on the shores of Middle-earth. And the sound of them sank deep into his heart. Beside him stood Mary and Pippin, and they were silent. Lay down your sweet and weary head. Night is falling. You have come to journey's end. Sleep now and dream of the ones who came before. From across the distant shore Why do you weep? What are these tears upon your face? Soon you will see All of your fears have passed away Safe in my arms You're only sleeping What can you see On the horizon Right to the white girl's come Across the
Carlene there and into the West. So this next piece, when I first heard, I became inspired. This song was published in the Two Towers in chapter one of book three during Boromir's funeral. Boromir was the son of Denethor II, one of the line of stewards of Gondor who ruled in place of their long-lost kings. It was for this reason he disagreed with Aragorn, heir to the throne of Gondor, as he believed that Gondor needed no king. When the lament is sung, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are present, though only Aragorn and Legolas sing. The, th- the first and third verses are Aragorn's, while a second belongs to Legolas. The three of them were not the only living members of the, were the only rather the only living members of the Fellowship of the Ring who were not hobbits. Aragorn was a man, Legolas was an elf, and Gimli was a dwarf. Boromir was also a man, but it was this that caused him to desire the power of the One Ring in Frodo's possession, and thus pressured Frodo and Sam to journey to Mordor alone. Despite his longing for power, Boromir redeemed himself in the eyes of the rest of the Fellowship by protecting two other hobbits from the group of Urukai, which came to attack them, and was mortally wounded in the process. His redemption was shown in his dying breaths as he lay in Aragorn's arms, asking what happened to the hobbits, and he said, I would have followed you anywhere, my brother, my captain, my king. So I hope you will forgive my indulgence as I perform Lament for Boromir. Through Rohan over fen and field Where the long grass grows The west wind comes walking And about the walls it goes What news from the west, O wandering wind Do you bring to me tonight? Have you seen Boromir, the tall, by moon or by starlight? I saw him ride over seven streams, or waters white and gray. I saw him walk in empty lands until he passed away. Into the shadows of the north I saw him then no more The north wind may have heard The horn of the son of Denethor O Boromir from the high walls Westward I looked afar But you came not from the empty lands where no men are. From the mouths of the sea the south wind flies from the sand hills and the stones. The wailing of the gulls it bears and at the gate it moans. What news from the south, O sighing wind, do you bring to me at eve? 
Where now is Boromir the fair? He tarries, and I grieve. Ask not of me where he doth dwell, so many bones there lie. On the white shores, on the dark shores, under the stormy sky. So many have passed down Anduin to find the flowing sea. Ask of the north wind news of them, the north wind sends to me. O Boromir, beyond the gates, the seaward road runs south. But you came not with the wailing gulls from the gray sea's mouth. From the gates of kings the north wind rides, and past the roaring falls. And clear and cold about the tower, its loud horn calls. What news from the north, almighty oh wind, do you bring to me today? What news of Boromir the bold, for he is long away? Neath Ammon Hen I heard his cry, many foes he fought. His cloven shield, his broken sword, they to the water brought. His head so proud, his face so fair, his limbs they laid to rest. O Rauros, golden Rauros falls, bore him upon its breast. O Boromir, the tower of God, shall ever northward gaze. To Rauros, golden Rauros falls, until the end of days. And with a little bit of music and my own self-indulgence uh, from the second uh, book of The Lord of the Rings, that's me, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, singing Lament for Boromir, uh, something that really inspired me, and I was really glad to be able to uh, uh, give it a chance. I hope you appreciate the indulgence, and uh, I really appreciate uh, the chance to be able to present it here. Um, that was, and, and by the way, <laughs> Gimli does make a appearance, although not Gimli, the dwarf Gimli, my cat, you heard him meow at one point in there. I decided to leave it in because, well, Gimli didn't actually sing on, on the, the song itself. So I figured I'd throw that in. In any case, welcome back to visions and sound as this week we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the, the the Lord of the Rings with odds and ends. So I figured I'd get close. We're getting close to the end of the program. So I'll be playing music from the Rarities Archive from a book by Doug Adams called The Music of the Lord of the Rings. I like a look behind the curtain to see what ended up becoming the music you know so well. 
So here is some music from the Odds or Rarities Archive from the book, The Music of the Lord of the Rings. I'll be back in just a little bit to wrap the show.
Well, it should come as no surprise that these scores have cemented themselves in my mind and the minds of fans around the world as some of the finest film music to come out in the last couple of decades. I do find that the more that you listen to this music, the more you discover and the more you love it. It's the kind of music that keeps me going to do this show week after week. Not just for me, but for fans of film music in general. Thank you, Howard Shore. Well, that's all for me this week. Uh, Thanks for hanging in, those that did. Before I end off today's show, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're not feeling right, there are people who care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without a huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, and Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as we head into June to celebrate the 21st anniversary of the show. I'll end off this week's show with more music from the Lord of the Rings archive, and I will be back next week with more. Visions in Sound.